Welcome to today's show. I'm sitting here at the GC booth with a very special person. It's Vivan Cardoso. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Vivan, can you tell us something about yourself? Well, I am a dentist originally from Brazil. I did oh. all my graduation, the master specialization, and my PhD also in Brazil, everything in Brazil. And I came to Belgium 12 years ago to do part of my PhD. Then I did a postdoc there as well. And nowadays I am teaching there uh, in restorative dentistry. You're kind of an expert in the field of uh, cementing and bonding. Uh, I would like to start, we talked about that right now before, but I want uh, to focus, focus on the cementing part because a lot of people outside, for example, right now, zirconia is quite fancy, even do, doing it uh, in a verti-prep way. These people only can cement them. So what's your thoughts on cementing right now? When do we need to cement? Because yesterday I had a podcast where, where the people actually told me that we are only bonding everything because everything, if, if everything is planned so good, prepared, uh, the periodontal treatment is done, when we don't need to cement anymore so what's your opinion on that yeah yeah i see this trend this trend towards an adhesive dentistry but i also see a place for glazionomers so we have to make this differentiate differentiation when we are bonding we are bonding with a resin cement and we are when we are cementing we are cementing with a glazionomer and i think that there are so many advantages when you are using a glazionomer because the glazionomer will bring you a protection to the tooth Uh, because it's more biocompatible, because it's easier to use, because it seals the margin much better. So in this way, it can bring, bring such a protection to the tooth that sometimes you don't need necessarily to go to a more complicated procedure with an adhesive looting cement, for example. Yeah. And that's why, in many cases, I would prefer to cement instead of bonding. Mm. So actually, I usually say that you have to make yourself four questions. First question is, is my preparation good enough? If your preparation is good enough, you don't need to bond. A cementation with a glazionomer will be more than enough for you to be able to have a good retention. Second question that you have to make, can I use a rubber dam by the moment of the cementation? If you cannot use a rubber dam for any reason, like for example, the gum is not as good as you would like it to be, or the preparation is very subgingival and you cannot use a rubber dam, then better use a glazionomer because it's more moisture tolerant. Third question, which are the aesthetic requirements of the case? Is it an anterior case with a more translucent zirconia, for example? Then you better use a resin cement. But if it's a more opaque zirconia because of a black abutment, for example, a more dark abutment, then you can easily go to a glazionomer. Uh, we know the glazionomers are not so aesthetic. But in this case, you don't need any aesthetics. And the fourth and last question is, what is the carrier's susceptibility of that patient? If it's a patient with carrier's activity, a patient that you know that do not cooperate so much in terms of mouth hygiene, the glazionomer release fluoride, they seal the margins very well, and maybe they will bring a better result in that case. In terms of products, since uh, GC has a wide uh, portfolio of glass cements, would you favor right now some partic particular cements or recommend them for the dentist out there? Yeah. Yeah, I usually say that, uh, a question that I get a lot from the dentist, which cements do I need in my office? I usually say you need at least two. You need glass ionomer cement, 
that you are going to use on your day-by-day -day to bone, to, to cement metal-based and zirconia-based crowns and bridges. And you need resin cement to cement special caves. My option nowadays, although we have several options among the glass ionomers, my option nowadays is Fujisem Evolve. It's a new version of Fujisem. It was called Fujisem 2 before. Now they have an improved version, which is Fujisem Evolve, which is a glass ionomer, a resin-modified glass ionomer, but it's very easy to use because you don't need to mix with a spatula. It's auto-mix. So you extrude, extrude it directly in the crown, and it's very easy to use. No ways of committing mistake. Oh, nice. Yeah? And it brings new technology that makes it stronger and easier to use as well. Yeah, it's differently from what people previously thought, that glass ionomers were an old material. No, glass ionomers are evolving year after year, and GC is making it very well, actually. And then the second cement, which would be a cement that you use for more special case, could be a more universal cement that you can use for everything, like, for example, GSEM Link Force. Okay. GSEM Link Force is a dual-cure adhesive looting. Uh, you can use it for virtually everything. In special cases where you don't have a good retention of your preparation, because we know that sometimes mm. clinical crown is very short, you don't manage to do a very retentive preparation, then you have to bond. So you can use this cement, which is also very aesthetic for interior teeth. So those two cements, Fujisem Evolve and GSEM Linkase, for me, would be the basics. If you want to go one step further, then you should also have GSEM Veneer. Ah, okay, two okay. cement veneers. Okay, let's focus on it. Is it really just for veneer cases or can we use GSEM uh, veneer also for other cases like onlays, inlays? Yeah, yeah, you can. Actually, the name is GSEM veneer, but actually you can use it in many situations. GSEM veneer is a light cure adhesive resin cement. So as it's light cured, actually, my preference will always go to a light cured cement, but I have to make it sure that the light will pass through my restoration, my veneer or my onlay, for example. If I know that the onlay is a more translucent onlay, for example, Serasmart high translucency or even Serasmart low translucency, they are translucent enough to allow the light to go through and polymerize this cement. So with GSM veneer, you can cement veneers, onlays, inlays, or even sometimes crowns if you are sure that the light will pass through. Yeah. Uh, Do you have some thickness, rule of thumb, so the clinician can say, if I have this thickness, it's still okay. Yeah. Uh, above that, it's... Didactically, we can say that. Uh, mm. Usually we say up to two millimeters of thickness of your crown. You can use a light cure cement. And we are using more and more light cure cements nowadays because we know that they polymerize better and that they give a better aesthetics. But... You have, it's not only the thickness, then that's the problem. Mm -hmm. The problem is not, it's, it's not only the thickness, it's also the opacity of that crown and also the material it's made of, because it depends also on the refraction index. Different materials will have different in refraction indexes. So it starts becoming so complicated that I actually would prefer, when I doubt, I use G-Sembling Force, okay. because it's dual cure. When I know Uh, I have the information from the lab that I have in my hands a restoration which is of high translucency, high translucency or low, or low translucency. 
then I can use this same veneer because I know that the light will pass through. As a rule of thumb, we can say when you have an HT and you get an answer area of two millimeter maximum, it's quite okay. It's quite okay. okay. We have some research done on that, mm. and we when we have high translucency, up to three millimeters even you can go. Ah, yeah. nice. Yeah. I think light curing is so important. It's one of the most underestimated things in dentistry. I usually tell my assistants uh, that there's not too much light, then rather uh, too less light. Uh, in terms of uh, light power, you probably can talk ages about that. But yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true, yeah. Light power is very important. And that's another, another variable that you have to control. Mm. So it's not only the opacity of your crown, the thickness of your crown, the material it's made of, but also the intensity of the light curing unit. We have to use a high power light so that we are sure that the intensity of light is passing through. And although we know that this intensity of light will decrease uh, through the crown, even in this way, it will be strong enough to be able to light cure this light curable cement, which, is, which should be our first option whenever we can light cure through the, the crown. So a high power LED, for example, of 1,400 milliwatts per square centimeter is a very good option, for example. But you also have to control your light uh, to, to see if it's indeed, if this is the output that you are mm. getting from your light. Yeah, actually, we one time in our office, we checked the output yeah. to find out that we uh, already lost 30% on one lamp wow. because one time I took a picture for a case with like a fancy light, curing light in, in the picture, yeah. and I realized that it was kind of dirty. Yes. Very interesting that even like the small composite uh, spots are reducing the light uh, transmission by 30, up to 30%. And after that, we all always started to use protective cov covers for the lamps because it's really, I mean, 30% means actually that we have That's to increase our uh, light time also uh, in yeah. certain cases and we can't rely just on the thousand millibars which is on the <laughs> yeah indeed so uh, as you said there are so many variables that yeah actually even in the endo world it's also the depth of the cavity and we can have really deep cavities yes. and uh, that means we sometimes even if we have a, if we have a high power light we have basically do one minute of polymerization to get a small adhesive layer which is actually in this case the most important yes <laughs> it's a very thin adhesive mm. layer mm. but but it's deep there so mm. you have to make it sure that this is well polymerized okay yeah. uh, since we kind of move to the bonding uh, as well can you just go through your clinical steps what you do uh, in case of pre-treating the tooth My, for example we just take an onlay which we can cement under rubber dam mm -hmm. and pre-treatment of for example a Sarasmart or even a Lisi yes. just short and quick so the dentists can listen to the podcast okay. and say okay so I usually always start with the preparation of the crown okay yeah so let's say that we have Lisi a lithium desilicate the first step is to create micromechanical retention. How do you do that? Etching with hydrofluoric acid from 5 to 9%. Uh, and this you do for 20 seconds. It's differently from a feldspathic ceramic that you etch for 60 seconds. A lithium desilicate, very important, always 20 seconds. After creating this micromechanical retention, this porosity by etching, you have to go to the second step, which is creating chemical adhesion. How do you do that? You apply a primer. Yeah? It has to be a primer that contains silane. 
in the case of GSM Link Force, for example, it's G multi primer. It's a primer that actually can be used for everything because it contains silane, MDP, and so on. So uh, it's a very universal primer. Uh, after applying the primer, your restoration is ready. I know that some dentists also want to apply a layer of bonding inside the crown. I particularly think it's not necessary oh, okay, uh, because I think that the cements that we have nowadays, GSM force, GSM veneer, they are fluid enough to penetrate the porosities of the crown. So I don't think it's necessary to apply a bonding there inside. Okay, then my lithium desilicate crown is ready. If you are working with Cerasmart, for example, which is a hybrid ceramic, then you also have to follow the same steps. First step, creating micromechanical retention. How do you do that? This you can do with the same hydrofluoric acid for 60 seconds, or you can also sandblast it. Mm. Yeah? Nowadays, I use a sandblasting sand device to, to treat my Cerasmart. Um, and then you create micromechanical retention. Then you go to the second step, which is creating chemical adhesion. How do you do that? Again, using a primer that contains silane. Yeah, this primer will bond to the ceramic part of Cerasmart, and it, it can be G multi primer, which is a universal primer. Again, the same primer. Yeah, so my crown is ready. We go then to the mouth of the patient. There, in the mouth of mouth of the patient, first thing important to have rubber dam isolation. And then you are going to treat the tooth. Usually I use selective etching. I etch only enamel. If there is enamel present, mm. I'm going to etch only enamel. And then I'm going to apply a universal bonding like uh, G Premio Bond, for example. G Premio Bond is very nice because it's, it gives you a very thin film thickness. You apply it, you air blow very strongly. Because I really like that part, actually. It doesn't contain HEMA. Mm. Yeah. Uh, HEMA absorbs too much water. So GC decided to not put HEMA mm. inside the bonding. But because of that, you have to air blow very strongly. And by air blowing very strongly, you get a very thin thickness uh, of one micrometer, so from one to three micrometers. So it's so thin that actually I can light cure this bonding before the cementation. Yeah? Many dentists are afraid of doing that because mm. they believe that by light curing the bonding, the crown will not fit anymore. But with G Premier Bone, this doesn't happen because it's so thin that you can polymerize before the cementation. And we know that polymerizing directly on the tooth before the cementation will give a much better bonding result. Ah, okay, nice. Yeah? So I polymerize this bonding. And then I simply apply the GSM link force inside the, the crown and I place the crown on the abutment. Okay. A small thing, if the GSM link force is dual cure, do, uh, do we still need to add something dual cure to the GPMU bond, like the DCA activator, or doesn't it matter in this case? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Usually I, there is a dual cure activator to mm. make GPMU bond dual cure. Usually, I don't use it because, as I told you, I light cure the bonding before the cementation. Ah, okay. And therefore, we don't... And therefore, you don't need to use a dual ah, cure activator. Okay. So, you, you first, you don't have to use a dual cure activator. Second, you light cure the bonding before the cementation, so you have a better polymerization of that bonding layer. Yeah. Okay, so it makes a lot of sense to light cure the bonding. <laughs> so, <laughs> if... Yeah. 
there's one thing to remember from this podcast, it's the setting. Yes, yes. <laughs> of course, you cannot do that with any bonding mm. system because there are bonding agents which are very thick. Mm. And then they can play a role on the adaptation of the crown. But with G Premier Bond, I feel quite confident. I have been doing that for a long time and I have never had a problem of adaptation. Um, one minor detail, because I uh, recently had a discussion about a, co a colleague about regarding lithium silicate, silicate, and we also had a lecture yesterday. Some people suggest like a step between the hydrofluoric etching and the applying of the silane. So what's your opinion a bit? Do we need something, some cleaning step, uh, some do just uh, phosphoric uh, acid uh, on it, some use certain cleaning liquids for which are recommended by other companies? Uh, what's yeah. your opinion on that? Well, indeed, I know that there are many opinion leaders which are recommending to clean the surface between the phosphoric acid, the, the hydrofluoric hmm. acid etching and the application of the primer. This you can do with phosphoric acid, yeah, the same acid that you use for etching the tooth. Uh, this is to remove probable debris that you have as a result of the etching with hydrofluoric acid. So indeed you can etch for 15 seconds this surface with phosphoric acid. It's, in my opinion, nowadays optional. Oh, okay. Yeah? There are some few researches showing that it will increase the bond, but it's not an evidence yet mm. so it's not going to harm that's mm. for sure okay but i consider it as an optional step okay nowadays yeah and sometimes uh, i'm kind of confused because some people even suggest some sonic cleaning as well or even heating of the um, lithium diesel cap There's probably no evidence in there as also as I see you shaking your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so actually it's completely fine to stick to the basics, what's on the manufacturer manual and just yes. to follow it. There won't be a problem with that. Exactly. Uh, if you follow the, the instructions of the manufacturer and you, you use this straightforward technique, you will get a very good result. Of course, these extra, extra steps they will cause no harm, not at all. Mm. So you can also use it. And there are some little evidences here and there that it really helps. So why not to use? But I would consider them optional at this moment. Yeah, I mean, I think everything which makes a bonding more complicated is actually just leading to mistakes. And yes. I always have to think of my assistants who, who would be um, sometimes maybe too overwhelmed with something. So we really yeah. need to be clear really using this material 20 seconds as a counter that's yeah, it yeah. we're doing it one by one and that's the <laughs> and that's how we go back to the beginning of our mm. conversation mm. yeah because when you have so many steps you have more chances of committing mistakes and it's not always in our hands sometimes the clinical situation leads you to a mistake so it goes back to the beginning of our conversation by using a glass ionomer in many cases it's so simple Yeah. that it's impossible for you to commit a mistake <laughs> so that's why I still insist that you should have both in your dental mm. office and use both glass ionomer and resin cement depending on the clinical situation actually it's a good closing sentence yes. <laughs> so thanks a lot for the talk thank you for the conversation everybody uh, got a lot of information out of this podcast here so thank you thank you it's, it's really been a pleasure